Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one loving page of Talmud every day. And in today's pages, Sota 39 and 40, we have a discussion of something that I have to tell you. I am a person who goes to shul on a, on a regular, you know, dare I say daily basis. And yet, when the moment comes, and for one reason or another, I am called up to the Torah I, I'm going to be very honest here. I could lane. I could, I could read Torah. I, I, I know my way around. And yet, when that moment comes and I hear Yahweh and I hear my name, I, I get a little weak need. And today's Talmud really, really sees me, feels me. Get a lot of this. Rava Barav Huna says, Once a Torah scroll has been opened, it is prohibited to converse even about a matter of halacha. As it is stated, and Ezra opened the book in sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And standing is referring to nothing other than silence, as it is stated, and shall I wait because they do not speak, because they stand still and answer no more. Rabbi Zerah said that Rav Chista said, the prohibition against conversing is derived from here, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. They were not listening to any other voice. This awesome description of people, not just people, Jews standing and not speaking, standing together in complete awe and awaiting the words of the Torah, I think captures beautifully the sense of, well, awe we feel whenever the Torah is among us. And here to talk to us about this feeling of awe and feeling overwhelmed by this awe, as I do, is our dear friend and this show's producer. Welcome back, Quinn Waller. Hi, happy to be here. So, Quinn, you shared with me recently that a moment came in which you were at shul and you were invited. Hey, come up to the Bima and read from the Torah. Take us back. Yes, yeah, so basically I said no. <laughs> um... <laughs> I didn't know it was even an option. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, to be fair, it was not my name being said in a big, loud way. It was the like some assistant coming up to me and saying, hey, do you want to have an Aliyah? And me saying, no, not today. Thank you. Yeah. It's scary. It's really scary. I don't like standing up in front of people. I don't like talking in front of people. I don't like doing both at the same time. I don't like singing in front of people. And I also have a tendency to cry <laughs> at um, emotionally overwhelming events. So this really hits all so, the spots. <laughs> um, yeah, I have yet to take an Aliyah. I am 100% there with you. I mean, I, I do it. I, I have to tell you that whenever I do get this honor, it's kind of like my whole day is transformed. It, it is a really, I think incredibly and and maybe even strangely for some of us who don't do it often moving experience because there's something isn't there to being there in this moment and everyone is very quiet and this ancient scroll dressed in these incredibly intricate velvety garbs with the silver crowns is finally let out with these ancient beautiful handwritten letters and you do feel know that this is really you're really in the presence of something otherworldly yeah 
yeah, you feel that and you feel you feel like I don't want to mess it up with my humanly incompetentness. Right? I get I get one thing wrong here and that's it <laughs> for me and for everyone else here. Yeah, and there's there's just so many like tiny little like things that you could get wrong. It's like you could like I mean, yes, you could mispronounce the Hebrew or you could just like say the wrong thing in the wrong order or you could like start saying something that the congregation is supposed to say and it's just like I I, I, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it and I don't want to mess it up. So how do you deal with this uh, with this tension? Because again, you know, being a regular, I still feel it, uh, this tension. I, I'm still working through my uh, my own traumas. How are you preparing yourself for your eventual moment of Aaliyah? Well, I'll tell you, I bought a book from uh, Westside Judaica mm-hmm. called To Pray as a Jew. And they have a great little section about making Aliyah and like exactly what happens. And it's really nice. They lay it out like, okay, you will be called up. They might hand you a laminated piece of something with like the blessings on it. And then they will tell you which to read and which to not. And so like in theory, I technically know how it works. And then I've also like gone on the way, I'm sorry. I'm I'm imagining like one of those like Heimlich maneuver, like things with the illustrations (laughs) of like, first of all, you grab the Torah, you push, you count to three. Yeah. And then I'm also a regular on uh, my Jewish learning.com where like you know i'll play a little thing because like i like i know what it sounds like i know like i know it but i like to hear it and just like be sure that i'm right but to be honest i don't i don't know i I think i feel like the right moment will present itself to me and i don't necessarily feel the need to hasten the arrival of that moment i just want to be prepared when it happens meanwhile though you have practiced with some (laughs) taurus well, yeah, they have called me up to dress the Torah before, which um, I did. <laughs> I did screw up my first time. I put the jacket on backwards, which sucked, <laughs> um, and I wanted to sink into the ground and die. And I was I, like, kind of like wrinkled the Torah as I was like putting a little belt on. It was, it was, it was rough, but. They, I go to a small shul. They've asked me to do it like four more times since then. Um, and I've gotten used to it. They also, what they do is they ask me to follow the guy that like carries the Torah around. So they ask me to like follow behind him in case he drops it. And they've never dropped it. Thank goodness. Because I don't know what I would do. That seems heavy. I don't think I would be able to do anything. I got to tell you, being being a six foot five, pretty, you know, strong dude, I frequently get the honor of being the Magbiah. It is stressful because it is heavy. And if you drop it, you know, it's only the entire congregation fasting for 40 days. No biggie. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's, I don't know, it's also kind of awkward for me because I'm just like walking around behind it and like everybody's like taking their talit and like touching it to the Torah and kissing it to the Torah and like, okay, like when do I take mine? And like, <laughs> like what point in the procession do I take my little moment to? So it's, it's just this whole mire of like tiny little things that seem like they don't matter, but actually it's amazing. Do matter. So, so a lot of us, yourself included, myself included, did not grow up necessarily going to synagogue regularly enough to actually have the kind of, you know, the beats of prayer down. How do you, I'm always fascinated because, you know, there are days, and again, now doing it regularly for a while, there are moments in which, you know, something happens in a prayer. Maybe it's Rosh Chodesh or maybe it's like, there is some kind of abnormal moment, some kind of deviation from the routine of the everyday prayer in which I stop and say, wait a minute, weren't we supposed to say Kaddish here? Why are they doing this thing? Why is everyone taking on the tefillin now? Like there is a moment of like sheer anxiety, like, ah, it's like being in school all of a sudden. Everyone's like, oh, so the test is in an hour. And you're like, the test? I didn't know anything about it. So tell me, how do you kind of immerse yourself in that? How do you kind of learn 
by osmosis as someone who's also like me becoming more and more engaged in Jewish observances and practices. What is your kind of method of immersing yourself in this world? I'd say it's all underpinned by the personal relationship that I feel like I have with Hashem. You know, like that's that's there, that's fine. The rest is just... I don't want to say the rest of Jewish practice is just window dressing, mm-hmm. but to me, the kavana is what really matters. The The earthly stuff of, you know, the order and just all of the little things, I presume and hope that they will come with time and that I just have to keep doing it and keep feeling uncomfortable week after week. And eventually it'll be less awkward. Well, I think I very much agree with that. I think you've already sort of unlocked the greatest challenge, which is a challenge that the Talmud describes on the page today, which is really, truly feeling this feeling when you're in the presence of the Torah, that you're standing before something wonderfully otherworldly and transformative. Quinn Waller, thank you so much for being our guest and make sure to invite us when you do have that. (laughs) I can't say that I will. (laughs) I'll invite you for the second one. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope that you do, please go and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts and get your Take One t-shirts and mugs at tabletstudios.com. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Daf Yomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Risquet, Quinn Waller, and Ellie Blyer. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Robert Scaramucci, Courtney Hazlett, and Tanya Singer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash take one. Subscribe to our newsletter at tabletm.ag slash take one newsletter or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You can find us on Twitter at takeone.fiomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic.